This is Carl the Jackal Frampton. Hi, this is David Healy. Hello, this is Stephen Ferris. Hi, I'm Bethany Ferris. Hi, this is Joey Barton. I'm Jonas Gutierrez. Hi, this is Harry Kewell. And you're, you're listening, listening to The Score. score. The Score with Michael Clark. And welcome along to The Score. It's very much a case of what could have been. We'd hoped it was going to be a carnival atmosphere. We had a big party planned. Instead, we've had to change direction. Today, we look back at Northern Ireland's loss at the hands of Slovakia. We get reaction from a journalist and supporters on the show. Plus, we will preview this weekend's Danske Bank Premiership fixtures. Get in touch at the score and I on Facebook and Twitter. It's all coming up right here on The Score with me, Michael Clark. The Score with Michael Clark. Well, we'd hoped this would be a party show today, didn't we? Let's be honest, we were hoping to be sitting here talking about Northern Ireland having booked their place in the Euros and what could be a really exciting group. Instead, it was disappointment and they exited at the playoff final having been beaten after extra time against Slovakia. Joining me on the line now is sports journalist Keith Bailey, who, like me, has watched Northern Ireland for many years. Uh, Keith, how are you feeling today, first of all? I mean, it's it's incredibly disappointing. It's um, it kind of leaves a a bit of a, a black hole in, in all our summers um, for 2021. I think it's been a really difficult time uh, for for everybody connected with sport, everybody connected with anything. Um, and I think that Northern Ireland the Euros certainly wouldn't have solved anything, but it would have given a lot of people a lift um, and, and see. Such a golden opportunity slip away, I think, was particularly painful. I mean, I don't think it's a massive exaggeration to say that is probably the most disappointing result in the history of the Northern Ireland national team. Um, sure, we've gone close to qualifying for turns before and missed out. Um, Euro 84 springs to mind where they, they missed out in goal difference after beating Germany. Um, more recently, obviously, the Switzerland playoff, but you know, those were, were maybe events where you didn't expect Northern Ireland to qualify and they did incredibly well to get so close. This is slightly different in the sense that they were had home advantage in a one-off playoff against a team who were by no shade of the imagination a bad team, but uh, were also no world beaters, were no great shakes. You know, that was a, a team that Northern Ireland could realistically expect to beat, and they didn't, and they didn't play particularly well doing it. Um, some people will, will disagree with that. I appreciate that. Um, Northern Ireland, let's make no, no, you know, let's, let's be fair. They give absolutely everything on the pitch. You know, the, the boys put in a huge amount of effort. You could see that and how tired they all were in extra time and the, the fact that Stuart Dallas played through an injury and the fact that, you know, you have guys going down with cramp. They give absolutely everything that they had. Um, and in that sense, we're, we're unfortunate and we'll feel heartbroken this morning. Um, was it a great performance? I, I don't particularly think so. Um, you, you have to look at uh, 
you you think back to when Michael O'Neill was the Northern Ireland manager, or maybe more relevantly when when Oliver Norwood was in midfield, you always felt like Northern Ireland had a certain amount of control of the game. Um, they always looked good on the ball and off the ball in terms of shape and discipline. Last night, it all felt a little bit helter skelter to me. Um, they went long very early. A lot of kind of long balls towards Josh Guinness that he wasn't really able to do much with. Um, there were points in the game where you were you were praying for the the wingers or or for your fullbacks to maybe get get into positions high and wide on the pitch and, and get a dangerous ball in the box. That's eventually where the the goal came. Uh, the equaliser came from when Paddy McNair got into a, a good position. Um, but it too often didn't happen. Too often the cross came in too quickly and it was easily dealt with. You, know, you think back to the to the team of of Euro twenty sixteen. Um, and we were we were really dangerous from set pieces. You had Oliver Norwood or Chris Bunt putting in great ball into the box for Gareth McCauley um, to feed off. That's gone now. You know the, the free kicks and the corner kicks all day were were pretty disappointing. And Stuart Dallas's throw-ins. Um, you know I think a, a decent amateur league centre back could have gobbled up most of those. Um, it was frustrating to watch at times. So is that um, a personnel uh, problem, Keith, or is it a tactical issue, or both? Well, I don't think that, that too many North Island fans will have had complaints with the team that the Ian Barcroft picked. It was a pretty sensible one. You know, it was a, a fairly solid 4-3-3. You had all the, the best players on the pitch that you would want to have there. Um, obviously, we were missing Corey Evans, and I think he would have started and it might have had a slightly different look if he, he had been there. But I don't necessarily think that that changed the game. Um, I think, we, you know, Barcroft probably put the best team out and put uh, and then the best formation, but they just weren't able to execute what you needed them to do on the on the pitch. Um, they they didn't create enough good chances, and they wasted an awful lot of possession. I think it was very frustrating for for fans to watch. I'm sure frustrating as well for Ian Barraclough because he he picked the team. Just I mean, maybe some people would say the team picks itself. The BBC did a poll: who do you think should start? And to a man, that was the team that ended up on the pitch. So. It was obviously a popular choice with a lot of those supporters, at least those that participated in that poll. But to see them concede the goals in the manner that they did, incredibly frustrating and always going to be difficult to win a game, particularly when we haven't been very prolific in front of goal if we give away such cheap ones. Yeah, I mean, that, that was that was it. I mean, both goals were, were harsh, it was really. Um, you look at the, the first goal and your natural instinct is to blame George Savile because he... It's a it's a poor header, but you look back on it two three times. I'm reluctant to criticise Johnny Evans because Johnny Evans has been North Ireland's probably most consistent player over the past what 15 years now. Um, he's certainly our most talented player, but you know he maybe got into a position that he that he shouldn't have been in, and, and then he's chasing after the forward and he's just not going to catch him. Um, the second goal is poor as well. Um, again, that's one you can maybe blame Johnny Evans for. Ball kind of bounces off him. Tom Flanagan chases in the midfield when he, when he didn't really need to, um, and that opened up a bit of space for Slovakia. And then you know you think Billy Peacock Farrell could probably do better with the shot, but you know again, like I know I'm contradicting myself because I don't really want to pick out individuals because you know Johnny Evans has given so much for Northern Ireland. Billy Peacock Farrell will be. You know, it was fantastic in Sarajevo and will be a fantastic goalkeeper for Northern Ireland. But you know, if we're being honest about it, he probably didn't have have his best night um, last night. 
And that, these things happen in football, you know, that, that's, that's just part of it. But it, they were cheap goals to give away in such a big game. And I think the thing about it is that's not that unusual for Northern Ireland nowadays. You know, we, we often say Northern Ireland have a fantastic defence but maybe don't score enough goals. See, if you look through the last years with the fixtures, you know, there have been some serious cheap goals given away. Some of the goals against Norway, you know, were, were poor in the 5-1 defeat. You know, even the one they conceded to Bosnia in the in the playoff semi-final wasn't great. So there's a habit, you know, developing there. That it's been seven games now since Northern have kept a clean sheet. That was the nil-nil against Holland, um, and since then they've they've led in 17 goals in seven games, which is it's pretty concerning it's a worrying trend they've gone behind in every game that Ian Barclough has been their manager so far granted he hasn't always had his best defence to call upon and you you could even make the point last night that you know half of his defence had to come off through cramp so Mm. uh, it's it's difficult and certainly an extra time to then try and keep a solid defence the other side of it is look this is fine margins and this is the point I was going to make when you hear players and managers and pundits and whoever talk about fine margins it is those moments. It might be an individual mistake, even if they play well for the majority of the game. Individual mistakes count, particularly at this level where I think a lot of the teams are almost in an even playing field. Slovakia have been, quite frankly, brutal. Uh, you know, recently they sacked their manager despite reaching the final. They brought in a guy who had, bar one match uh, a few years ago, been a caretaker manager then, brought him in to be caretaker manager now dragged people out of retirement to, to fit into slots. This was not a prime Slovakia. They they were there for the taking, but Northern Ireland, you know, unfortunately, you look at the small moments in the game, a couple of mistakes where Slovakia points versus Northern Ireland hit the post or head it straight at the keeper or play a pass behind the forward. Those moments, they all add up. Yeah, of course, this could have been very different. You know, Kyle Lafferty hit the outside of the post and what was it the 89th minute um, to win the game if he'd hit the inside of the post we'd be talking about what a what an incredible night and what a fantastic comeback it was from a team that never gives up um, and it would have been it would have been amazing and it would have been fantastic for Kyle Lafferty to, to get that boost after the difficult time that we all know he's been through in the last couple of weeks um, but like you say football's a game of fine margins that didn't happen the ball hit the, in, the outside of the post and to be honest from that moment on Northern Ireland never really looked like doing anything other than losing that game. You know, actually from stoppage time in normal time, Northern Ireland were kind of hanging on. You know, Slovakia had the ball. You would expect at that point to be Northern Ireland be the team pushing for the winner in normal time. Didn't happen that way. Slovakia had the ball and were, were camped in Northern half and Northern fans of 1,000 there were whistling for the full-time whistle. We really fell back at that point. And I guess that's that's partly down to the cramp that we saw and the injuries that we saw. You know, we lost Craig Cathcart and we lost Paddy McNair an extra time and two, two absolutely massive players for us. Um, so, you know, it, it was a, a tough, a tough couple of tough breaks in there, um, as well as, you know, maybe some disappointing play at times. The big question, I think, you know, Ian Barclough will certainly be coming to terms with in the, the coming months. Where do we go from here? Um, are we likely to see changes in that squad? I'm mindful that, you know, some of them are uh, in their 30s, uh, advancing in years. And when you're planning for future tournaments, we don't have the luxury of, you know, the Germanys of this world to ruthlessly get rid of our best players, even when they are, you know, up in the years. Uh, are we going to start seeing retirements or will we keep this panel on for the next qualifiers? It's a question at the moment that we don't have the answer to. I mean, I fear that common sense would tell you that it's unlikely that we're going to be able to keep 
some of these players, you have to look at Steve Davis is 35. If he's looking to, towards next World Cup, you know, he'll be 37 by then. Realistically, is he even going to be playing football at all, let alone international football? We've seen Johnny Evans, how many games he's missed for Leicester recently due to injury. You know, he's got to be thinking about that. This is a really tough season. Let's not forget for, for footballers, particularly Premier League, particularly Premier League players. Um, I'm, Davis and Evans, let's not forget, are both competing in Europe for their respective clubs. Like they're playing more games than ever in a tighter period of time. You know, there's a, they've got these, we will play World Cup qualifiers in March. That's come to the words the end of their seasons. They're bound to be tired. They're bound to be looking like going, do I really need the headache of playing in three World Cup qualifiers when my body will really need a rest? So yeah, listen, I think that retirements are inevitable. There's no way that Davis, Evans, Kyle Lafferty, Nell McGinn aren't thinking about it. Like they would be mad if they weren't. Um, and the other side of that is though that like these guys have earned the right to call their own retirement. You know, they will not, you know, nobody's going to tell them it's time to, to step aside. They will hang, you know, they will make that call themselves. And there's no doubt that Ian Barclough will be praying that as many of them stay on as possible. Because, quite frankly, while we do have some good players coming through, there's no doubt about that. Ethan Galbraith, I think, is a super player. Daniel Ballard has massive, massive potential. Alfie McCallum's a good player as well. They're not yet at the stage where they're on a level of a, a Steve Davis or a Johnny Evans. So if we do lose those guys, you know, we're going to fail it. You, you could have find a situation here with the next World Cup qualifying campaign, the Qatar 2020 campaign, isn't one that we're realistically going to be able to challenge for a playoff spot. For um, You've got to maybe look towards more Euro 2024 when, of course, more teams qualify for the European Championships. It should always throw up half a chance for us to qualify for a major tournament. Um, and that's maybe more a realistic goal for us to work towards in terms of bringing the younger players through and trying to get them up to a standard where they, they can compete. Um, I think the next campaign is going to be really difficult. Yeah, it certainly feels that way. And there'll be so many people disappointed today. Um, downbeat, frankly. I mean, it, it does feel like Friday the 13th, doesn't it? And, and for many people, you're waking up this morning going, well, of course, this is the date. Look what's happened. It's even turned non-superstitious people superstitious. But it would be easy to forget as well that there's two other matches that Northern Ireland have to play in the, in the coming days uh, in the Nations League. How does Ian Barclough get his players up for that? Does he just ring in the changes and give other people game time at this stage? Or or what do you do, especially because of the cramps he might be forced to, I suppose? I mean, I, I suspect that Ian Barclough and the players would dearly love to forget about these next two games. Um, they're, on one hand, a nuisance because you've, you've got um, a set of players who have just gone through what will be, for many of them, the biggest disappointment of their career. Um, how do they lift themselves and get themselves up for two games? That, well, I would never say they don't matter. They do matter. You know, Northern they're actually fighting to stay in this division. But they're not at the same level or anywhere near the same level as the game they've just played. It, it will be incredibly difficult. Um, you would wonder, will all the players actually travel um, to Austria on, on Sunday night? You may see a few dropouts between now and then. Um, that will make Ian Barclough's uh, job even more difficult because you know it's going to be a really tough game on Sunday night. The one that's you know the Romania game is one that is winnable. I think you know 
Northern gave Romania a decent game out there. Um, Romania haven't been in magnificent form. It is a chance to win a game. But then again, Romania will look at it as, you know, one that they would expect to win as well. So that'll be that'll be an interesting game in the sense of Northern are fighting to stay in the Nations League. It's a game we can win if players hang around and the likes of, of Davis and Evans are there to play in it. It's just a question of whether they're they're fit enough and uh, whether they're um whether they're going to be in a position to play those two games. Yeah, that is the question. Uh, the Nations League, more important than friendlies, but at the minute will feel like glorified ones after um, last night and the, the disappointment that hangs over the team. Uh, good luck to Ian Barclough and the players in the coming days. Hopefully they can, if nothing else, boost morale with some wins, but uh, it's going to take some getting over that game against Slovakia. Keith Bailey, thank you for coming on to The Score. The Score with Michael Clark. Well, we've heard what a journalist has had to say. What about Northern Ireland supporters? This is your platform today to give us your thoughts after last night's disappointment. And first up is Neil. Neil, welcome to the programme. Hi, Michael. How are you? Thanks so much for having me. I'm doing well, thank you. Great to have you on the show. What do you have to say? What are your thoughts? Well, first and foremost, obviously, I'm very disappointed that Northern Ireland haven't qualified for the Euros. However, I feel that, being realistic, we were never really expected to get there anyway. The reason I'm saying that is, in my personal opinion, Northern Ireland have done fantastically well for the last five, six years and really have punched above their weight. However... From looking at it objectively, I feel that we've sort of ran its course out of that squad and we're sort of now got to the stage where we need to blood a few new more players. And I'm not I'm not gonna go and say the glory days are completely over. I just think that there's not really much realism within the Northern Ireland fan base and Nowadays, a lot of the fan base are expecting far too much because we have done so well, you know, in the Euro 2016 qualifiers and then obviously getting there and then getting to the playoff against Switzerland. I feel like that was sort of like the pinnacle um, as to where we can get. And it sort of dropped off a bit since then, which is only natural. And the squad maybe needs a bit of an overhaul. And because of the whole mentality within Northern Ireland, I think it sort of became a bit more of a pantomime and because of that expectations have been heightened when there hasn't really been much realism and to be honest, compared to some of the other nations now, I don't think we're anywhere near as good as what we were and because of that, obviously disappointed we haven't got through, but being realistic, were we ever really expected to go through, especially when you consider we only got to the playoff via the back door I think there needs to be a, a bit of realism here, I think we've dropped off a bit um, I'm not saying we won't ever get back to where we were, but Michael O'Neill, he done such a fantastic job and he drained every single ounce of sweat and blood that he could out of that squad. And I feel now we're maybe moving on past that. And I feel that Ian Barakoff needs to be given uh, a proper chance in the next campaign to put his own mark, stamp and identity on that squad. He needs to be given the same chance that Michael O'Neill was originally given. Uh, really interesting points. Just on that, even at punching above their weight, did there hold within you any expectation to get the job done last night? You know, when they get back at one all, when you're heading into extra time, were you thinking we're going to somehow find a way, or, or were you still 
feeling like, look, I don't expect this to happen? Well, it's going back to expectations, and obviously, because of you know the previous two campaigns, expectations were raised massively. Um, like I said already, I feel like player-wise, we have dropped off a bit. Um, because in those previous campaigns, you had Gareth McCauley, Aaron Hughes, Chris Brunt, and even Ollie Norwood. And the reality is, we have lost a lot of key players, and a few more players are sort of you know have, have got a bit older. Um, but Realistically, when you look at Northern Ireland's Nations League campaign, we lost every game, you know, in the group with Austria and Bosnia, and then we've fallen into the playoffs sort of by on a technicality. So being realistic, having lost every game, how can you really expect to go out and blitz a team like Slovakia? Now this goes into another thing, but to me, I thought I feel like there was a lot of delusion amongst the Northern Ireland fan base because because we have done better. And because of that, people are getting carried away. And when the reality is, you know, Slovakia have a lot of players that play, you know, in a variety of top leagues across Europe. And they were sort of like dismissed. Oh, oh they just got past the Republic on penalties. And we drew with the Republic a couple of years ago on a friendly. So we'll definitely beat them. And it's like, lads, you know, let's get a bit of perspective here. We're a, we're a smaller nation. We don't have a big pool of players. And to be honest, a lot of our players don't even play regularly for their club side. And that plays a massive part. So just because of that, for Northern Ireland now, I don't go in expecting us to win because I've been going to Northern Ireland games for years. And like I've been there, you know, with the likes of the Canada game, the Luxembourg game, even back in the day when we, we barely even had a shot on goal and we couldn't score. So just being realistic, I, I don't expect much of Northern Ireland. And then when we do do something really good, it's not even good. It's brilliant. But I just think there needs to be a bit of perspective nowadays. Well, that's definitely a, a good bit of advice to, to stop the heartbreak being as intense as maybe it is for some fans today. Um, you said, though, that you were obviously disappointed by the overall result. Was there anything about the performance on the night that left you wanting more? Well, you could see sort of towards the end of the, the 90 minutes that Northern Ireland upped it a bit, and we actually started you know, being a bit more on the front foot. Now, people will say we don't have the options offensively, and yes, I agree with that, but back, you know, four or five years ago, our team was always based on a solid defensive structure. That sort of seems to have dipped a bit, and because of that, we're making doubly mistakes, and then we're getting punished. Now, for me, I think Northern Ireland, because we don't have that solid base anymore. Like I've already said we've lost to like Macaulay, Brunt and um Aaron Hughes, for example. And um, because we don't have that solid base uh anymore, what I think Northern Ireland should do is maybe try and surprise a few teams and actually have a go, as if we've got nothing to lose. And when we've done that last night, you could see at the end, you know, we're starting to we did make a, a couple more chances, you know, McNair done brilliantly, you know, to, to force that own goal in the first place. And you could see there was a bit more urgency. So I always think in that aspect, should we have done more? Even in the previous, you know, um World Cup qualifying uh, campaign and stuff, you know, it, it was sort of like towards games at, at the end, we sort of had to go more and you were putting teams on the ropes. So I, I sort of think like maybe Northern Ireland should maybe go down that route if we actually applied ourselves a bit more instead of sitting back and trying to um, soak it all in and maybe hit teams a bit. But if we actually have a go, we might actually surprise a few teams because I think on the end of the 90 minutes, we did have Slovakia on the ropes, but it was maybe just a wee bit too little too late. The thoughts of Northern Ireland fan Neil, thanks for coming on to the show. No problem, thanks very much for having me.
Okay, more reaction from last night's match and another Northern Ireland fan joins us on the programme. Gareth, how are you feeling today, first of all? Uh, I, I think everyone sort of feels the same, Michael, that everyone sort of went to the, just like the players, everyone went to the, the bottom of the well and gave everything the hat. I'm sure everyone was the same, whether they were in Windsor Park or whether they were sitting in their front room. And I think it's just everyone's a bit deflated, massively deflated. They get, the players give all the hard and it just wasn't quite enough. And I think when people have time to reflect over the next couple of days, it could be, well, one, it could be a bit of a missed opportunity, and two, I know a lot of people are talking about that it potentially could be a wee bit maybe of the end of an era, which we would hope not, but you look at some of the players' situations and I'm sure there's a lot of pressure coming on from clubs to guys at the minute, not looking up to go away on international breaks and mixing outside bubbles and stuff. And I would say we might hear a wee bit maybe of bad news on the player front in the next couple of weeks. Hopefully not, but we'll have to be ready for it. We heard Keith Bailey earlier in the programme talking about this could go down as one of the most disappointing results in Northern Ireland's history because, you know, unlike previous times where you could say you went down in a blaze of glory, there's a, a degree of what if hanging over this one. Well, I think he's right. Uh, I think everyone will sort of censor grabs. I think everyone knew coming into the game that Slovakia, no disrespect to them, they weren't a great side. The last playoff against Switzerland. I think everyone knew they were a good side and a very capable team. Slovakia were maybe a wee bit better than what we thought they were going to be, but they still weren't great, really. And I think there was a sense of panic in their side any time you really put pressure on them. And we probably didn't do that enough. I think if we look back, we had a couple of reasonable spells, maybe at the end of the first half, the start of the second half, and obviously at the end of the game. But outside of that, we were it was maybe a wee bit too easy for them. And not what not what teams would expect coming to Windsor. They would normally expect to probably be under the pump a lot more than what they were. And yet football finds a way to really in and get you believing, doesn't it? As soon as McNair goes on that incredible run, Scrinier puts through his own goal, you're thinking, oh my goodness, it's going to happen. Unfortunately, we know it didn't. Well, you had that moment, which was just after that, like you're talking a couple of minutes after that, when Kyle Lafferty hits the post. I freely admit I was on my knees in the front room in front of the TV. I looked at it. I thought it was in. I thought it was in all the way. And we took the post. It's just heartbreak. You can only imagine what the players must be feeling. Like, and, well, it's a typical Northern Ireland story. It was the same in Bosnia. We got a equaliser. We dug in. And, well, regrettably, last night was the opposite. But we, we just sort of, we just sort of give it away a wee bit. And the goals we conceded were poor. The goal in stoppage time. Are not stopping an extra time it was a poor one to give away, and I think when that happened, I know we had a wee bit of pressure towards the end. But the players were the players were running empty; there's nothing left to give. I don't think, and I think that was fairly clear. You could see it at full time, obviously, what it meant—the disappointment across all their faces, the emotion on the pitch—and you know we've already alluded to it. But for Kyle Lafferty, everything he's personally going through at the minute to still want to be there for his teammates—it it shows you the sense of togetherness, but also the strength of his character. Well, totally. Like I think, like Kyle Lafferty's a player that's probably maybe took a wee bit of unjust criticism over the years, and I don't think he's deserved it. He's always been there for Northern Ireland, and like I know Michael O'Neill always alluded to it that he wouldn't maybe want to be his club manager, but in international football, he was a cracking guy to have around. 
you can tell the guys love him and for him to still want to show what him and his family are going through uh, at the minute it just it shows the strength of his character and his commitment to Northern Ireland and certainly on behalf of well, the City of Artman Northern Ireland Supporters Club uh, our respect and condolences to Kyle and the whole Lafferty family That's a lovely message um, The final question for you Gareth and that's the big one Where do they go from here do you think? Well where do they go from here? There's going to be probably a bit of bad news on the player front and I do wonder and I was discussing with a couple of sort of mates and colleagues uh, last night and this morning I do wonder was the appointment of Ian Barclough maybe a medium to long term appointment where they may be thinking that there's going to be there's going to be a rebuild required in before too long if we get to the Euros as a bonus World Cup qualifiers are more or less a write off because a country like ourselves can't really qualify for the World Cup anymore with the way the groups work out and it's, it's really the Euros is the big thing because like a third place team can qualify we've seen that and it nearly might be that the next call, the next campaign might be a wee bit of a free hit almost to try and bed a few guys in try and bed a few of the younger lads in and nobody knows that young fellas better than Ian Barclough he's worked miracles with them in the last few, few years and Maybe this is the time to. It could be a. It could be a dry bit of a dry patch in the next few years. But I think, like I said to someone else on Facebook this morning, people were calling for Michael O'Neill's head after after the Luxembourg game and after that the end of that campaign, not knowing what lay ahead. So I think the fans just have to have to believe, have to trust the process, and have to sort of pray that the right man's in charge I think he is I think he hasn't as much luck and I do trust that he can sort of keep the squad together and bring bring the new blood in that's what we'll have to do we've no, we've no choice that's uh, I think a very fair reflection uh, Gareth thank you for coming on to the score thanks very much Michael ok uh, I think we can squeeze one more fan in in this segment of the show uh, Simon is on the line Simon welcome to the score hi Michael it's good to have you on the programme, and uh, Simon, I distinctly remember us chatting when you were at the Euros. I mean, you were there for the Kings of Leon stuff. How, how does this heartbreak compare to that euphoria? Oh, it's, it's, it's crashing back down the earth, I think, after these last four years. Um, anybody who was in Leon or, or went to the Euros was is a fond memory in, in football, especially being a Northern Ireland fan. But last night, uh, it's hard to take. It's disappointing, but I just think it's it's yeah for for some of those players, you know maybe this is just the end of that chapter, and we, we need to sort of develop and look if not to the next World Cup qualifier, then we have to look at the next Euros and four years time. There's been I think everyone's been very rational off the back of this, um, or a lot of people anyway, certainly from who we've heard from. What do you put that down to in Northern Ireland fans that, that we can we can take it on the chin better than others maybe? I think there's a general feeling that we've always punched above our weight and, and any success was long overdue. Um we, we also knew uh, not the sign defeat us but like I say, those those halcyon days that we had, you know, back in 2016, you know, that those were the, the pinnacle moments. You know, for my time being a supporter, you know, I didn't have 82 or, or even 86. So 2016 was a long wait. 
Um, especially, you know, we go back to those really dark days of being outside the top 100 in the world rankings. Um, so having that success, and the fact of the matter is, in the last two campaigns, we reached a playoff. You know, so out of the last three campaigns, you know, we've qualified once and only been one went away from making a World Cup and making another European Championships. I think that uh, that chance you used to always hear at Windsor when they would like remember they would lose to somebody who they shouldn't lose to, of like we'll support you ever more. Uh, was that was always a grim <laughs> a grim moment of, of thinking, oh dear, you know, how bad things can get but yeah, listen, that, that's football. Uh, these things can happen, but I don't think last night on reflection was maybe as bad as what we'd hoped or what we thought. You know, losing by a, a goal in extra time will always hurt, but the fact that we got so close is testament to where we have came over those years. And, I mean, it was such a... A bittersweet moment seeing Scotland qualify, wasn't it? Because, I mean, personally, my grandfather was from Greenock, so uh, I've always had a soft spot for Scotland, and I was happy to see them there, but I couldn't help but feel, oh, I wish we were going with you. Oh, God, uh, to be fair, it was a great save by a derby keeper to, to make them win, so I was pleased to see that. <laughs> I forgot you were a derby fan. Uh, I try to forget, but don't tell me. <laughs> At least, well, you have had a tough 2020 then. I mean, you needed that. <laughs> yeah, it's something. Perfect. Scotland, you know, we'd love to have joined them. And I think like when, when all the other nations went to 2016, they didn't get to go. So it's probably only fair that they get a chance. Uh, I know. I really do wish we were going there. I mean, there were there were certain moments in that match you look back on and you, you wonder if they could have changed. What was your experience of the game like last night? I mean, were you uh, throwing yourself all around the living room or what was it? Uh, well, unfortunately, I didn't get a ticket, which uh, was hurt. But when I seen the lineup, I was pleased to see that we had been positive in the 4-3-3. In hindsight, it just didn't work. Um, there was a lot of frustration personally I think we didn't play as well as what we could but to be fair to Slovakia they also stopped us playing very large periods of the game you look at our most creative players the likes of Stephen Davis and Dallas and we just couldn't get them on the ball higher up the pitch and then the soccer punch comes with a mistake from you know Savile heading the ball back and then you know, we, we do well to finally get behind the fullback and get a goal. And hopefully by that point, you, you're hoping that you're going to push on in the 90 and get it done. But uh, there was a lot of frustration. As the game went on, I thought the subs were very positive. Um, but that's it's easy to be positive in football when you're chasing the game one though, and you've got to get back into it. Um, in hindsight, maybe we just should have went two up top. Maybe we a 4-4-2. Or three five two, because unfortunately that the front three just didn't happen. I can't even remember Washington even getting on the ball for large periods. But yeah, there was a lot of frustration. But again, they, they were very close. I, you know, had Lafley shot crap inside the post, and it's a, a totally different, uh, different feeling this morning. Oh, it would have been so very different. Um... Looking ahead now, I mean, what do you see the next couple of years being? Is this going to be a hard old slog for Northern Ireland fans, or can they dust themselves off quickly? Well, the best thing is that the, the World Cup qualifiers, the draws next month, isn't it, in December? Mm-hmm. 
Um, unfortunately, between now and then, we'll have two Nations League games, which will be very hard to, to get ready for. I do feel, and understandably, that the, the Kings of Leon, who had that famous win, you know, the likes of um, Evans, Cathcart, Davis, McGinn, Lafferty, you know, those guys might feel that now is the time to step away from international football. And if they did, then they should be absolutely lauded of all the praise that they could be given because what they have done and their service to the to the country has been not but phenomenal. I think that if that does happen, then we need to rebuild. And regardless of anyone's feeling at the moment on the new manager, there's no better manager to have now in place than the under-20 or the ex-under-21 manager because he will have to have to find younger players who are coming through, guys who are finding their feet at club level. So I think he will be the right man now to lead us into that next qualifying campaign. And if it doesn't happen for the World Cup, then he may need that campaign to find his team to get ready for a better, you know, a more realistic chance of qualifying for the Euros in 2024. Okay, Simon, thank you very much for your thoughts today. No problem, Michael. Thank you. The score with Michael Clark. Now, amidst uh, all the international talk, it would be easy to forget that there's Danske Bank Premiership fixtures happening this weekend. Of course, we haven't forgotten here on The Score. So joining me to talk us through them is Colin Hopkins. Colin, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Michael. Nice to speak to you again. Lovely to speak to you. It must be that time of the week. It must be. It's always the usual with the <laughs> phone call to see. We know the, the weekend's rolling in close. <laughs> yes, the weekend is here when you hear both of us talking Irish League football. Now, before no. before we talk about the Saturday games, because there's two three o'clock kickoffs and one half five, it's a reduced fixture list this weekend with international call-ups and all sorts of that stuff going on, which is, I suppose, a positive sign for the league in that our players are being included in under-21s and senior panels, whether it be in Europe or further afield. Yeah, very much so, to be honest. It's, uh, I always find it strange when Irish League games are near postponed because of uh, international call-ups, you know. I mean, maybe it's just me. Maybe I just think to myself, well, hold on, if you have surely big enough squads, you can maybe fill them in in some way. You can understand there's maybe five or six missing, but, you know, sort of one or two, to be honest, I think. Club should, I wouldn't say force, but I think they should be obliged to try and go ahead of those games if at all possible, you know. I mean, I think there's going to be a change in policy in terms of the Irish league this season, certainly at the lower levels. What I'm led to believe is that if you have 13 fit players, including a goalkeeper, no matter what level they're actually registered, you'll be expected to fulfill your fixture. Um, so that's just preparing to the event of COVID situation arises and the club is three or four players out. The club will still be expected to fulfill the fixture as long as they have. 13 fit players, including the goalkeeper. So it's always a bit bizarre that clubs call it off a game and there might be a couple of players away on international duty, but that's just my thoughts, really. There's even more pressure now on the teams that are not elite, the teams outside of the top flight, because it looks like it could all be pushed back a further week with the latest announcement from the government. Yeah, it looks very much that. I mean, that's just sort of been announced sort of not, not too long ago now, to be honest. And it looks like they are going to be asking for an extra week the way it works. Um, so, yeah, that could push it back in a lot further. And that's for the championship. I mean, at PIL level, we haven't even heard about fixtures yet. We don't know what's happening. So, I mean, it's uh extra week or two is not going to make a massive difference to us because we have no idea what's going on. But certainly from a championship perspective, it was a very, very tight, tight race to run as a, at the best of times. And that pushes it back next week. So, 
That's you know, time you lie in for bad weather and all that sort of over the course of the season. It could be, it could be fun in games getting the season finished. Yeah, my sympathy to every club affected by that. And at this stage, there's not many clubs in the country that aren't. I mean, I was actually working with Glenn Ferguson last week and it, very easy for people who follow a premiership team, Colin, uh, and I know you don't, but very easy for people in that bubble to forget that they are in a bubble and the majority of Northern Ireland doesn't have its football back. Yeah, they should be very, very thankful, to be honest. You know, I mean, we had a supporters meeting, and you had to still be there during the week with the manager and a few of the players. And like, it's just a general sense of real frustration. You know, players want to get going, managers want to get going, supporters are missing it massively, to be honest. You know, I think the the hard thing, which maybe we don't talk about much, is trying to keep the interest levels going as well, to be honest. You know, um, there's only so long supporters will go without their weekly fix, so to speak. I mean. And other things may well replace that in the meantime, so we'll have to try and keep the interest levels going. Hopefully try and get up and run as quick as we can. Yeah, fingers and toes crossed that uh, that is the case, but unfortunately uh, it's been a very trying year for many people, including those in the sports world. Um, now, obviously there was matches last Saturday, but uh, we previewed those. I think it's only right we look at the most recent results, which are Tuesday night's games, Colin, uh, before we look at the three games happening on Saturday. And maybe we should start with a game that was live on Sky Sports. It uh, didn't really play out as a spectacle for the cameras, unfortunately. But if you're a Crusaders fan, I doubt you care. 100% correct. As you say, once again, it wasn't a spectacle by any stretch of the imagination. Unfortunately, the TV game so far hasn't really been... That's fantastic, to be honest. We're sort of, sort of waiting on one really to catch fire, and maybe this weekend's one will be the case. But certainly, as you say, from a Crusaders' perspective, you know, 1-0 win is more than satisfactory. And, of course, it's a man, Jordan Owens, once again, who does the business to, to bring the points out. And a big, big three points in terms of the, the title chase for Crusader. Most certainly is. Um, now, level on points will infield. Granted, they've played a game more. But for Coleraine, further frustration after um, the most outstanding of draws and not necessarily in a good sense if you're a bandsider 4-4 against Glenavon at Mournview Park and we said that could be an interesting game I don't think either of us had that in mind Certainly not I mean 4-4 I can't see too many people have predicted that as a final item score in terms of that setup. and Coleraine to a certain extent I think they got a bit fortunate as well to get the point out I mean very 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 strong penalty call towards the end of that game which wasn't given and uh, they came away with a point. But, uh, yeah, another crazy game. And yet another game which featured a red card and a Korean match. I think that was four for them to spin. Not necessarily all their players, but uh, four games in a row where a red card had been uh, produced on during a Korean game. So I think they'll be, at the end of the day, glad to get away with that, that point at Glenavon. And certainly they would have been wanting to bounce back here in Sussuders midweek, but unfortunately it wasn't to be. And now they're in a little bit of a rut, which they'll have to try and take themselves out of this weekend. Well, it also shows you the importance of having key players available to you, uh, you know, as if that wasn't obvious enough anyway. And having no McConaughey there, obviously, uh, the long-running canning situation, so neither of those two defenders uh, available to the team. Stephen Douglas still playing football, 43 years of age, four decades of uh, top-flight stuff. I mean, unbelievable from him. And, yeah. you know, great servant of the club, but it shows you, I guess, as well, the struggles that they have, McLaughlin unavailable through suspension too. So they're having to change things up. They're playing different partnerships than they would normally play. And it isn't helping them get any kind of rhythm um, because it's certainly, well, you saw against Crusaders, it wasn't a, an inspired performance by any means. No, it wasn't. Uh, they, they did look sort of, I don't know, very, very 
the third year or something like that, against Crusaders, to be honest. Uh, interesting point there you made about the, obviously reaching four decades in terms of that. I was just, I was just thinking back to the sort of debut, which I was at age again when <laughs> Stephen Lowry's debut was made, to be honest. You know, it's a phenomenal sort of response for that. But the Korean's a team, as you say, at the moment they're just going through a bit of a rut. Uh, changes of personnel haven't certainly helped, but at the same time, you know, all teams have a bit of strength and depth in there, and to be honest, they should probably be calling on a bit more. But I thought on the other night, Probably didn't deserve the result. Crusaders just slightly edged it, and certainly a big three points for Crusaders. And the guy that kind of goes under the radar when it comes to his involvement, Jordan Forsyth, loves teeing them up, doesn't he? Another very good delivery in. As much as Owens makes the run to get away from markers, and you know, defensive purists might say, well, how is he free when everyone knows it's Jordan Owens that's going to get on the end of these? But he so often is. No good making the run if someone doesn't find you. And yet again, Jordan Forsyth did. Exactly. I mean, it seems no matter how well clubs try to keep you know, Jordan Owens out of the game, there's always one of the players will pick out a perfect cross right on the end of his head. And it was for South Ops the other night, so they did that. So, yeah, obviously they must be working that in training. They know exactly what they're, they're, they're planning to do. But no matter how well you defend against it, it just seems to always find a way of just find at least one you know opportunity during the course of the 90 minutes. And if Owens takes it, as he often does, you know, could be game over. Now, that's the game on Tuesday night that... If either side had a one, nobody would have called it a shock because nobody quite knew who was going to win it going into that game. The rest of the night's action definitely was um, unpredictable, to say the very least. You can make an argument for Glenavon, but after their start of the season, delight for them, the first three points of the campaign at the Palomino Showgrounds. And I'm sure a huge relief as well if you're Gary Hamilton to see that sort of response from his players after the weekend where they obviously had to dig in so deep to actually go on and get a win. Yeah, very much so. Uh, obviously, the, you know, the game before the Ballamain one was just alluded to there sort of previously. I mean, they should probably have won that one. Uh, it was a late penalty call, which they could have been given quite easily in terms of the day. So, as you say, that would be easy if, you know, plus the confidence from that sort of viewpoint. But they went to Ballamina. Ballamina, once again, have struggled at home, but then that went there. Put in a positive performance, got the two goals and came away with the three points. So that's hopefully got their season now up and run. I think they're up to sixth position or so in the league. So we'll certainly be encouraged by that. Yes, mid-table for the Mournview men after five games played, six points on the board. Elsewhere, Carrick Rangers, 4-1 winners against Portadown, having gone behind in that game. I'm sure every Carrick Rangers fan, having had not the most inspiring start to the season, would have thought, not another night like this. This is going to be a long one. That wasn't the case. Far from it. That was the one completely took me by surprise, I do have to say. I mean, I uh, actually got to their game the previous, so on the Saturday against Tungallon, which finished in their age, and I came away from that game thinking to myself, these two clubs are really, really struggling here, and they don't know where the net is, and how on earth they're going to dig themselves out of it. And as it happened, both sides got really, really good results in Tuesday night, and you said character. 4-1 against Portadown. Certainly if we had had a prediction week one, I don't think anybody would have called that one, to be honest. You know, um, I really thought they'd struggle, but fair play, that's our first one on the board. Maybe that'll sort of really lift them on to sort of uh, the next sort of level that they need to actually be going to. And a fantastic by I'm fighting back from a goal down. I'm sure Niall Carey was absolutely delighted with the response from his players on Tuesday night. Most certainly. Obviously, Chris Lavery puts the ports in front and their supporters at that stage are thinking, okay, this is going to go our way. Kaelin Locker and equaliser. But then that hat trick, as you say, from Michael Smith and the third goal, what a goal to cap it off. I mean, you have to more than doth your cap to him because it was a spectacular stanchion jangler, wasn't it? He put it right in the postage stamp. 
Yeah, it was perfect, perfect camera work, I have to say, from wherever it was behind the goals for that particular one. Just caught it absolutely perfect. You know, so he, but I haven't said that. Even I had to look at it two or three times to check it definitely went over the line. I thought just maybe the inside of the potion came out. It was just the way it caught the stanchion on the way through. But absolutely perfect. It just, just curved in fantastically well and really, really well taken goals from that sort of viewpoint. I believe it was in Mark terms. Graham holding the camera for Carrick. I'll maybe get in trouble if I'm wrong, but I, I'm going to, I'm going to stick my neck on the line and say, well done, Mark. I think it was him. Well, whoever it was, excellent job. It was perfect timing right in the right place. And that's the trick to any good photographers being in the right place at the right time, half the time. Yeah. But that disappointing again for Porta Down. I mean, they obviously came into the, the Premiership sort of all comes with not optimistic they could achieve things. Uh, last Saturday, we've seen them narrowly losing out to Linfield. Obviously, a red card, you know, a couple of red cards in that game as well. They held them to quite late on and we probably would have came off the pitch thinking, well, you know, we've done okay against the league's top side probably, but then they went to Carrick and for some reason, they just did not perform and there's a lot of <laughs> angry supporters on their forums, you know, coming on that one. So, but it's really a wake up call for Portadown to say, to realize that, you know, no matter who you're playing, this, this league at the level that I'm at is not going to be easy. You need to get a hundred percent every single game. There are no gimmies and the, the last two games we have to talk about proved that Dungannon Swiss, another one of those teams that got their first win. Uh, of the season so far against Cliftonville and Dougie Wilson, the hero, the the captain, um, shining brightly for them and starring in their victory. Yeah, once again, another one whose results very few people would have called. As I had said there earlier, I was at their match against you know Carrick last week. Uh, they really struggled. I think both sides really struggled on the day. And I came away thinking to myself, who the flip's going to score goals? I was thinking if Dungannon had scored no goals during the week, but I could, could have renamed them the Gannon Nil, to be honest, because that's a, their first goals of the season, to be honest. And a remarkable result against Cliftonville side who've been very much informed going into that game. So, but obviously they'll get, they'll take confidence in that. It's pushed them up the league a wee bit, and all of a sudden, you know, things look a lot brighter for the side from Steinman. Well, there's nothing like football to carve up a surprise. You know, Cliftonville, who had the league's best defence against a team who hadn't scored a goal, of course Dungannon were to score two against them. Exactly. Exactly. But uh, I don't know what's happened in terms of Cliftonville there. They just didn't seem to turn up in the night. Um, they scored one great, fantastic goal. But outside of that, you know, they are looking at back. That was a chance for them to really get into the mix in terms of the top of the table. Unfortunately, this occasion they've blown big time, but I'm sure they'll bounce back, but, uh, they'll certainly want to forget about Tuesday night's result very quickly. I appreciate if you're a Cliftonville fan, you're probably not going out and seeking out the highlights, but in case you did bury your head in the sand and you didn't want to see anything, it is worth hunting out the Gary Breen goal, the free kick, you yeah. say. Wonderful yeah. goal. You know, throughout the years, uh, certainly from my childhood, Colin, I can think of wingers and fullbacks that loved whipping free kicks in. Not too many centre backs. No, there's very, very often, you know, very seldom should I say you actually see that. And I know a lot of the Fultzburg were taken back by surprise, to be honest, how well he struck it, to be honest. But fair play, it's one to live in the memory banks. And unfortunately, at the end of the night, it didn't bring any point, points out of direction, but it was a great goal, nonetheless. Certainly was. Uh, scant consolation, I'm sure, if you were a travelling red, but uh, there you are. Um, Warren Point against Larne ended 1-1. And, I mean... Strange for Lauren, you know, they, they had the goalless draw against Glentoran, which is, you know, far from panic station stuff, but then to go and draw against Warren Point as well. Again, no slight on Warren Point, but after the perfect start, two draws and two games where they struggled a little bit. Um, I guess if anyone was starting to think it was going to be plain sailing, this is the wake up call. Yeah, very much so. Uh, Lauren obviously 
once again, one of those results, if you, if you didn't predict it, you would have predicted they probably a comfortable Larne win. But at the, you know, at the end of that particular game, they were fortunate to get away with a point. And I do have to say, having watched the goal a few times, I really do think it shouldn't have been given, to be honest. I thought the keeper was impeded and pushed a little bit, to be honest. And I, you know, looking back at it, I really think it was a bit harsh on the referee, not sort of saying the you know, to, to slide the goal, but it stood and the fact at that point, you know, I'll probably be glad off it and just moving forward. But once again, an ideal chance for them to pick up three points, get right in the mix, and unfortunately, it just doesn't happen as, as ex- expected at the home. Yeah, well, uh, maybe a, a chance to uh, bounce back uh, this weekend. We'll talk about their game uh, first, I think, shall we, in terms of uh, the action, even though it's the half-five when it's the, the live stream of the weekend. Uh, certainly an exciting-looking tie, Larn against Crusaders at Inver Park. Yep, second against third, or third against second, should I say. Yeah, that, that promises to be a great game, I mean. You know, in, in terms of Lauren, obviously, whenever the cameras have turned up at Inver Park, invariably we have got a very, very good game most times. And I personally think this will actually be a very, very interesting game to watch. They've lost Lauren at home, certainly determined to bounce back. Crusaders just going through a, a decent run at this moment in time. I'm looking, they, they could be well title challengers if they can keep up with us here. So it looks like it could be a really, really interesting game for the Armstrong Vida. So they won't watch that. What way do you think it's going to go if you had to call it? I have a little garden Crusaders might just edge it. And don't be surprised if that man Owens is on, on the score sheet once again with a head of gold. That's uh, just the nature of things. As I've said earlier on, it just seems no matter how well he's defended, he just always seems to get that one chance. And that's what he seems to be needing at the moment to, to find the back of the net. So I think uh, Crusaders might just edge someone at the end of the park. That'll feed into the, the belief that that uh, manager of the month trophy is cursed, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. As soon as you get it, all of a sudden it goes on a bad run. So, you know, calls and managers wanting to ban that for future months to go. It's not my fault, that. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> it, that game obviously poses an opportunity to go top of the table, depending on how Linfield get on in their match at 3 o'clock. They're away to Corian. We've already spoken about Corian's need to bounce back. They thought they were going to maybe do that against Crusaders. It wasn't to be the case. Rather than... Uh, turn fortunes around, they fell to defeat. Will it be two losses on the bounce for in Kearney? I mean, that's nearly unheard of. Or can Coleraine inflict uh, a defeat on Linfield? Mm, time will tell. Once again, that's a very interesting game to sort of keep an eye on. Uh, Linfield, I thought, were a little bit fortunate against Porter Down to come away with all three points last week. Uh, obviously, there was a couple of red cards. Obviously, Sebastian Airy was sent off for an off-the-wall incident, which I'm sure Mr. Hay was fuming at, understandably. Uh, but Porter Down, I think, also hit the woodwork on a couple of occasions as well. So that game could easily finish as a draw. But as it was, that's the sign of a you know, true champion's time team to sort of uh, grind these things out and pick up results and times they don't sort of, uh, they're not really valid for the three points with the pick them up. But I think, to be honest, they might well go to Corian. Corian just seemed to go into a little bit of a slippage at the moment. I have a funny feeling, you know, Linfield, the Ballymena of Brewer, they can't win at the short ends, but I have a funny feeling Linfield may well go up there and pick up the points come Saturday afternoon as well. As things stand, Linfield, the only team who have preserved their perfect record, but uh, they've four games played at the top of the Danske Bank Premiership. Speaking of four games played, the only other team that's played four games not taking part this weekend is Glen Torren, who sit in the very uncharacteristic position of 12th place. Now, a lot of people are enjoying the hashtag time to climb because it's, it's quite pertinent at the moment, particularly with that position. Are you worried about them this season, or is it far too soon? Are people getting carried away? 
I think it's far too soon for people, you know, people to sort of indicate that they're going to get relegated during the gap. That's, that's not going to be the case. I think they will settle and they'll certainly will climb the table. My big worry would be, this is, you know, so many points by them. There's 11 points by them. I mean, the chances of them closing that gap between now and the end of the season, you know, 30 days. It's probably pretty remote because even if they do want to go, you're, going, you're then relying on Alexa Linfield slipping up on several occasions as well, which is probably not going to happen to be honest, too often you know, during the course of the season. So, but they really need to start finding goals. I think there's only two goals they only scored or something. Yeah, season. you're 100% right. Only two goals scored. Yeah, I mean, they're, as things stand, at 10 points behind Linfield, but it could be 13 at the close of play on Saturday. Well, that's correct. You know, 13 points is, is a massive gap, especially against your big rivals, so to speak, but, you know, two goals scored so far. You look at their front line, it's frightening looking, to be honest, on paper, for some reason, it's just not happening when you're going to the pitch, you know, and it's up to Mick to make sure he gets that sorted out, but, I mean, it's a strange one, because if they were to continue on that bad run for another three or four games, for example, all of a sudden, he could find himself putting himself under pressure in terms of the managerial position, which would be an interesting scenario to have to put, you know, put yourself through, but... I think they will turn things around, but it's just it's just a long, slow process at this moment. Right? Yeah, after four games, no wins for Glen Torren, but uh, their two points also is only three points off seventh place, and you can see how quickly you can ascend up this table, or indeed decline down it, after one or two bad results back-to-back. Glenavon against Carrick uh, certainly, uh, I think, makes it a, a far more interesting game after the results that we have just seen, because all of a sudden, Carrick Rangers could win this game and go up to mid-table or maybe even Glenavon start to uh, climb in to, uh, well, they're in the top half, a little higher up themselves. They could leapfrog Coleraine, for example. So after all the panic of the first few matches, they could find themselves in a healthy position after six games played. Yeah, this, this promises to be I think, a fascinating game, to be honest. Like I can for, certainly foresee goals in this particular game. As you have said, they're carrying all of a sudden a wee bit of confidence from the run the other night. Glenavon have sort of found their, their boots a little bit, and all of a sudden they find themselves in the top half of the table and want to sort of build on that. So it should certainly be a very, very interesting game from that sort of viewpoint. Um, as to who's going to win it in the end... Anyone's guess. Let's stick my neck in the block and say a draw. Oh, there we go. Even even when there's three games, he'll still find one that's a draw, folks. <laughs> Colin, great having you on the show. Fingers yeah. crossed this weekend is as exciting as what the Tuesday night games were, whichever way they happen to fall, um, because there were some great goals scored. And uh, after uh, the stalemate I sat through last Saturday, surely I'm due some entertainment this weekend. <laughs> it can't be much worse. Let's put it that way, Mario. <laughs> Colin, great to have you on the show. Thank you. There you go. The thoughts of Colin Hopkins ahead of this weekend's Danske Bank Premiership matches. Thank you so much for your company. We're out of time once again. So from him and from me, all that remains to be said is enjoy your weekend of sport. Bye-bye.